Welcome to Working Smarter, presented by Calabria, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, product evangelist for Calabrio. I am super excited to have Nate Brown here. Now, who is Nate? Nate is the senior director of CX at Arise, but more importantly, Nate's that fedora and weird suit guy, right? He's, he's the guy that if you've ever been to any trade show or event and there's this this super ball of energy walking around that's wearing insane suits and fedoras, that's Nate. Nate, how are you today, buddy? I'm great, Dave, and thank you for that introduction. Yeah, hopefully hopefully, I'm starting to get, gain a bit of a reputation with the ginger beard and hat and suit. If that's not enough, then forget it. You are. If you've, if you've ever seen the Ted Lasso episode where Coach Beard goes on his yes. wild night, that is what it's like hanging out with Nate <laughs> at a trade show because, uh, you know, there is... I've always been known as the energetic guy, right? Everybody's always like, oh my gosh. And when I look at you, I'm like, man, this Dang. guy has got it, right? And what, whatever it is, whether you're using the uh, Energizer extra lithium batteries or whatever the case may be, it's it's working for you. No, I'm definitely not always like that, Dave. It's funny because, you know, I just, I just get so fired up when I'm with my people. And when we're talking about CX stuff. I know. I don't walk around my house this way. I just, I love being at these shows and, and with our tribe. It's just awesome. Yeah. And, and guys, a lot of times when we do this podcast it pro- or, or you listen to podcasts and you hear people that are clearly putting on a persona, this is not a persona for Nate. This is who he is. And uh, that's why we're super excited to have you here uh, on the Calabria podcast because, you know, we want to talk about CX, which you and I do get fired up for, and people should get fired up for because it's kind of it's kind of the thing now. But uh, before we go too far, I I I really want to dig into Nate a little bit, right? Okay. So do me give me the uh, give me the you know two minute version of how you got here. Where where where'd you start? Where do you where do you get to this point where you're so fired up about CX that you want to come on podcasts and talk about it? Right on. Well, it it started with uh, selling postage meters on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida, which uh, didn't didn't go very well for me. Turns out it was very hard to sell postage meters in strip malls on the, on the streets of Florida. So I, I tapped out of that fairly quickly after about ten months. Uh, but I did discover one thing in that process: those that had one of our postage meters, I loved going in there and, and just being like, "Hey, how you doing? How's it working for you? Is there anything we could do better for you?" And I, I discovered that I had this uh, customer service nature kind of inside of me. So that next role, I, I jumped into a help desk type of role. I was actually serving inside the Tennessee Farmers Co-op through an outsourced vendor and loved it. Had so much fun through that process of, of, of customer service and, and learning these complicated batch fertilizer transactions and like just stuff I never thought I would care about. Suddenly, I cared about a lot. Because it gave me an opportunity to help these people with their everyday stuff that they needed to overcome. And, and I love that cycle. And then I jumped over into a, a, a big safety science company where I worked for 12 years and, and was able to just grow 
inside of, of that organization uh, from a frontline customer service rep to then taking ownership of that team to then acquiring several teams into us that were healthcare related. We went from just adult learning to, to now occupational health and the complexity and, and the type of problems we got to solve were tremendous. Uh, so just learned so much in that process and then then got to take ownership of the training department for a period of time and really got to learn more of that L&D type of function uh, and then was able to take on a CX role. Uh, but, you know, not until we really started to do CX organically first and to prove it out and really demonstrate and show, wow, if, if we take a holistic view of our customers instead of more of this departmental <laughs> approach that we're taking, the results are fantastic. So in, in that, discovered the power of CX, started doing it and bringing it to that organization, and, and then was able to, to jump into more of an evangelistic and, and consultant role through Officium Labs. And, and work with some of the top gaming clients in the world in terms of enhancing their player experience, which has been so much fun the past couple of years. And then uh, just last November got acquired by Arise. And so here I am. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. By the way, I did not have batch fertilizer transactions on my mm. uh, working smarter bingo card. So I'm going to have to mark that down. But uh, no, it, you know, it's funny. Let's, without getting too deep into CX yet, um, when, when you and I are probably uh, near the same age and we've probably, uh, we have a fairly similar journey. Now, my most of my journey was in contact centers, but it was yeah. in customer experience and customer service. And I remember back in the day, um, it was really just a customer, good customer experience was really just a matter of the individual. Like, wow, that person's mm, well, really good yeah. at it. Right. And so th we would we would find people that are good and we would tell our hiring people, find people like this. Right. And it, it was never a it was never a wait a minute. How do we take what's going on here and and expand it to a more, uh, you know, programmatical approach? It was really just find more people like this. And I had the same I had kind of the same experience as you back when I was young and I started working. I used to work at a photo lab. Right. Nice. And, 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 you know, and, and I, I would have people, you're, you're pretty good at this. Like you're, you, you seem to get this. And, and I'm like, I, I didn't think I was great. I was just like, I'm just being nice. And it's like, oh, that's how you do it. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when we talk about the general and CX, that's really the, the, what's happening in the last probably decade or so is companies are starting to say, Hey, we can we can learn from these people that are good at this and then have them kind of share that approach. Um, and uh, let me ask you, have you found it difficult to put it down on paper? What makes a good CX experience to be able to teach? Well, sure. I mean, you, you just gave the example of, of just be nice. Yeah. So, you know, we, we always say how simple simple it is to just be nice. Well, let's, let's reverse engineer that. In order for somebody to be nice, think about how you have to feel. Niceness is an overflow of you caring about the other person, caring enough about your environment and your workplace to where you have the, the overflow of energy to actually give to another person. And you're not always in a self-preservation mode and just burned out and just trying to get through the day. I mean, there's so much psychology that has to be in place before you can, quote unquote, just be nice. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because, like I said, I think some people are just inherently good at it. 
yeah. uh, and and some people are inherently bad at it. And but you know, I always appreciated. Okay, let me change what I just said. I I don't think they were <laughs> bad at it. Just some people didn't have the. Maybe it's just me and my constant need to be liked. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm desperately seeking the approval of people. And that to me was probably what made me pretty good at customer service was I wanted to make the person on the other side of the counter on the other side of the phone happy with their experience. And, but there are people who don't care about that. And I'm not saying that those people aren't good at customer service because you sometimes need those people because of the, 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 the types of customers we have to deal with from time to time. But what's really kind of the important part is uh, when companies are trying to figure this out, when companies yeah. are, you know, looking at hiring a Nate Brown to kind of run their their CX, right? Uh, you know, Calabria recently made a pretty uh, pretty important hire in our CX uh, approach. I don't know, you know, for those of you who are the timing of this particular episode, Calabria recently brought in Jim Davies from uh, from his Gartner fame. Uh, to to help run the Collaborio customer experience program, uh, but you know what what we talk about. You you said you you used a key word there, and you kind of talked about defending, right? And and it's interesting to talk about from a base point what an organization needs to defend to to work through that. So I'm interested in maybe your approach to teaching an organization how to really spend the time teaching them what to care about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some, some of the things that we would, I mean, that's, that's an extended cycle of, of education and evaluation and other things, but, but definitely some milestones on that journey. It's what is, what is the ideal definition of CX look like? And, and I love the metaphor that, that comes from building a story brand by Donald Miller. He talks about the customer's the hero of the story. So let, let's stop focusing on ourselves all the time. It's like driving around with the dome light on in your car. Let's turn that off so we can look outside and see who we're actually serving. So the customer's the hero of the story. So what does that make us then, Dave? It makes us the guide. We, we get to guide the customer towards their definition of success. So how can we then do that as an organization? How can we be the guide in a way that nobody else can? And, and we define attributes to that. Here, here's what it looks like for us to be the guide. And we know that when we do these things, we bring the customer down their journey in an accelerated format, a better format, a more exciting format, whatever, whatever that looks like. We bring them to their journey point destination in a way that nobody else can. Th those attributes are so important. So once we identify some of those attributes, then yes, we got to train people to them. We, and we do need to bring people in. They, they kind of have a natural propensity towards some of those. Because things like empathy, you know, it's, it's really hard to train and embed that in. It can be done. I've seen it done. But, but you want to make that training burden as low as possible. So you're, you're bringing in people that, that kind of have those attributes already now that you've defined them. It makes it a lot easier for you to identify the right people to bring into the tribe. And, and then you together are working on how can we how can we remove friction in this journey, both for ourselves and for the customer? 
I mean, so many people, Dave, they, they come in and they are excited to serve. They have these capabilities, but then there's so many barriers to them being able to do their job well that they burn out. They tap out. Now, these are, are these are internal barriers, yes. not external barriers. Like what? What's a good example of maybe some internal barriers that would keep someone from delivering that? Knowledge. <laughs> Knowledge, Dave. <laughs> I mean, if we think about what customer service is, it's a mini marriage ceremony between the hero of the story and, and the organization has this thing, this product, this service, information, whatever it is. The customer service rep has the ability to officiate a mini marriage ceremony between the hero of the story and the organization and what they have to bring to that hero. So in order for us to be the officiant in this marriage ceremony, it requires us to have the knowledge available to do it. We've got to know who this customer is and what their definition of success is. We have to know the products and services of this business better than anybody else so that we can make this thing happen. And, and when we're restricted from seeing this customer in their journey, when we're restricted from knowing the, the things inside of our own organization, because they've been siloed off and trapped inside of tools and inside of people, it prevents us from doing our job well. Nate, I absolutely love the marriage metaphor. It's so apt uh, that, you know, you are, you, you are creating a relationship. You are, you are marrying these two, these two concepts together in a long-term piece. And that, that's, what's fun. But how do you, how do you get a, somebody who makes $17 an hour to care as much as Nate Brown yeah. does? How, how do you, how do you, how do you give them the information? You, you know, knowledge is important, right? But the, what's the next phase to, uh, to doing to, that? So I'm, I'm holding up a book and it's called Prime to Perform. <laughs> and, and this resource has really revolutionized my own thinking on this great question, Dave. How do we make people care? I, I was actually teaching a workshop at ICMI recently. And as I do at the beginning of this workshop, we're, we're going to be in a room together for four hours. Why did you come in my why workshop? What, what brought you in here? What are you struggling with? What, what made you choose this one? And two people right out of the gate were like, it, it feels like the give a darn is broken in our contact center. We can't get people to care anymore. What, what's going on here? And, and you just threw out, you know, the compensation factor. Well, money is a weak glue. <laughs> Yeah, we can always yeah. <laughs> make more money through through means uh, positive and explicit. <laughs> we can always make more money. Uh, but what we cannot do inside of every organization, only great organizations, is intrinsically motivate people to be the guide really well to do that because they want to do that. They want to serve. And it requires an organization who has the ability to create this compelling brand core. Here's the promise that we started in the beginning. Here's why we're a business. This is what the heck we're doing. And now we get to protect this promise. We, we as customer service people, we are responsible for making this organization act in integrity towards its, the promise that we're making out in the world. We, we, we're either making this organization a liar or we're making this promise come true. And that's a huge responsibility. And if you care about the promise, you're going to take a lot of pride in that. <laughs> you're going to want to do that really, really well. And, and now we get into this idea, Dave, of like, it's protection. We, we want to have brand guardians, guardians and ambassadors who care enough about that promise to where they're going to, they're going to transcend their own selfish desire to make sure that the needs of the customer and the needs of the brand are taken care of very well. Yeah, there's, there's, 
I, I love getting into the intrinsic detail of language, yeah. right? And uh, the the concept of defending a brand versus promoting a brand, right? And you know, I think a lot of us are like, oh, the the brand's under attack, but. No, no, no. It, it, it you, you know, building strong defenses, even when you're not being attacked, yeah. is a huge part of defense, right? And you know, okay, we can we can get nerdy we about could. this if we want to, which I'm, t- I'm perfectly comfortable <laughs> doing if you want to. But but that is that's the key. And it's funny. I think back to my first call center job. I worked for a pager pager yeah. company, right? that made it provided service for pagers and, and that kind of stuff. So um, the, I never, ever, ever in my entire, probably five years that I worked in and out of this company, never had any concept of what the particular, what our brand was like, what our, what our mission statement was, what, what's the point. Right. And I'm sure that in some marketing boardroom in San Francisco or something, they, they probably said, Oh, our mission statement is connecting the world or something like that. But that was never, ever made apparent to me. And to be honest, I just, I, I had a job. I, I kind of liked doing it and, and that's what it was. So do you think it's important for organizations to spend time educating, you know, every employee, what that brand statement is, what that mission statement, what the point is of the organization. Yeah. I mean, and it, it transcends the statement itself, right? I mean, that, that definitely unifies people. And I love uh, tribal leadership when it talks about the, the attribute, the, the trademark of a great tribe is the common language that it uses together. That's almost what defines mm-hmm. a people group is, is the words that they choose, the words that they use with, with one another. So there is a lot of power in, in these languages. And, and Dave, I do love how you're talking about almost defense versus offense. I think it is especially relevant in a customer service context. And, and I do, I am reminded by the old Simon Sinek metaphor that he, he talks about the Spartans that they don't win with the sharpness of their swords. They, they win with the, the strength of their shields around one another. They're, they're galvanizing around one another so that th- this person can focus forward on the actual competition. <laughs> I can I can fight forward instead of have, having to always watch my back and watch my flank. I've got people beside me with a strong shield that are going to protect me and I trust them. That's so critical in a customer service role with, with multiple layers. I mean, number one, you're not going to survive in a customer service role unless you are in the trench with people that care about you and are there to help protect you. You've got to draw that energy from one another. I mean, think about think about like nurses lately and, and people in the medical field. And if you talk to them and you ask them, how did you get through the craziness that has been the last two years with everything that is going on? They, they will tell you almost every time it was my coworkers. It was the people around me. We did it for each other and we had to. We had to pull each other through this. And the contact center can feel like that at times. We've got to pull each other up and remind each other why this is so important. The brand core that we're serving and how we get to defend one another, defend this brand, because customer service is defensive in nature. I mean, it says this in the effortless experience. That people generally, when you're reaching out to a contact center environment, the, the ideal path, the ideal journey that we talked about before, the customer's the hero of the story, something darn happened. <laughs> we got knocked off the path a little bit, Dave. So it's like, okay, now, now our, our role as the guide is to get them back on the path. 
And, and that's a hard job. A lot of times that's really difficult and it's not the funnest job in many cases. But, but it, and it is defensive in nature. You know, we're not taking steps forward. We took steps sideways. Now we need to get them back on the path so that we can take steps forward again together. Yeah. And a lot of times you got to teach them what the path yeah. is, right? How to recognize that path. And, and that's what I love so much is when, you know, when you've got some of these great brands that are out there, right? And I used to work for a, um, let's call it a high end uh, retail provider, yeah. right? That's famous for putting out a catalog every year. So you can, and uh, I used to, they, we used to have these company meetings where, uh, they would talk about some of the things that the the, the, the company's going through. And uh, they talked about how they were, in effect, suing a small uh, dog grooming organization for using their brand name, right? And of course, you know, younger me is like, oh, these, they're, they're, this is big corporate America, like squeezing out the little guy. And it's funny as I get closer and understand the concept of the brand guardianship, they 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 just didn't want this organization doing something that would reflect poorly on their yeah. brand. And wow. I get it now. I'm like, okay, it really wasn't. A, you know, they their name was a pun on on the 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 larger name, and and I'm being vague on purpose because you know we're being recorded. <laughs> but the uh, the it it's funny how brand guardianship goes from the concept maybe high up with a, in a legal sense, but all the way down to the, the, the last person and taking the last call of the day and what that means. And, you know, we here at Calabrio speak a lot about this in, in not necessarily the uh, teaching of people how to do that, but how to help organizations find the ways they should be defending the brand. Right. And, you know, the, 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 things like competitive mentions, the things. So let's, let's get into some of the real, uh, the, the, the nitty gritty here. What are some things that an organization let's, let's even take it specifically to contact center organizations. Cause I know you, you, you know, a thing or two about that. Uh, what, what are some specific things that a, a contact center organization can do to really define their brand guardians, right? What are, what are some sp specific tests? specific steps they can take. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, here's a mistake I made in this, Dave. I mean, early on, I was thinking so much about voice of customer and we, we have to learn everything we can about friction from the customer. And I, I actually created these little buttons even where, where when people got meaningful customer feedback, they would, they would hit this little button. It's a USB web key thing and it would flash on their desks. It was like in their face, like as a physical mm -hmm. manifestation of you are the voice of the customer personified. Straight up Pavlovia. Yeah. Boom. And, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. great power connecting a, a mental thing you're trying to make somebody do to a physical thing that helps to trigger that. So, I mean, there, there's still a lot of power there, but I, I'm giving this button to somebody beyond the contact center, actually, because it, it was working well enough to where we started to branch out. Uh, and, and she's like, so you're saying that whenever I get meaningful customer feedback, I got to hit this button. And I, I just, you know, type in what the customer said and how they feel about it. And we're going to help close the loop on this, right? Yes, that's exactly right. She goes, where's my button? Because we, we weren't doing much at okay. all to really account for her feedback and, and the voice of our own people and, and the friction that they were experiencing in trying to service the hero of the story, the customer. 
So, I mean, it really begins, Dave, if we, if we want to think about brand guardianship and brand ambassadorship and how to generate it. Yeah, there, there is this intrinsic motivation overflow that we're trying to create. And a lot of that comes from voice of customer, the positive kind, the reinforcing kind of, wow, here's all the ways that we've served our customers really well. Here's the difference we made for them. We don't do that enough with our voice of customer engine <laughs> to demonstrate how we're making a difference together. But then the other side of it is, is that VOE engine, that voice of employee engine. What are the barriers to service here to where we can't do our jobs well? We can't defend this brand because it's indefensible in these areas. And, and when, you, when you isolate those and you start to work on those, it, it just elevates the experience all around. And suddenly together, you're, you're able to focus on the things that actually matter. Wow. I, I think about that. It was... The identification of indefensible things, yes. right? The 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 concept of how do, you know you know let's let's take an organization like Apple. You know the, the 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 iPhone brand is one of the strongest brands out there, right? I mean, people are insanely loyal to it. But if you go online, you can you can find things that even the best Apple support representative cannot defend, right? And and so how do we find those things? And a uh, quick plug, that's what Calabrio does, yeah. right? It, it, Calabrio helps find those indefensible uh, things because, you know, somebody calls in and says, hey, my bill is messed up. The agent looks at it. Yep, your bill is messed up. I'm going to fix it. Great, thank you. Positive customer experience. But somebody calls in and says, my bill is messed up. And it's because there is a billing charge that the agent is not allowed to refund. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, the policy says you cannot refund this. That's an indefensible brand. Yeah. I, there's nothing I can't. I can't no, it doesn't matter how good of a brand guardian sure. I am as a, as a representative of the company. I have been told I'm not allowed to. That's like in using our, our battle metaphor, that is the hole in the wall that I'm literally with like neon signs that says, <laughs> you know, go here to defeat us. Right. <laughs> exactly. uh, that's, uh, and, and so that's a, that's a great place. So how can, you know, obviously, with Calabrio, but in your experience, what are some ways that companies can identify these indefensible attack yeah. points? I, no, I, I love I love your metaphor here of like almost approaching the castle as a brand. Yes, it's like and if you're fired up, if you want to do damage to the brand, it's like where where do I enter? <laughs> and it, yeah. it's there's channels, there's channels or doors in this castle, and and we want to guide. The customer to the best resolution path again using an effortless experience ism here and and we so often fail to do this to where we put up barriers to what we could predict to be the best resolution path and, and i'll give you the iconic example of of um, situations where i've been navigating on a mobile device or something and before i'm able to interact with, with an agent or, or somebody that I need help from personally, I have to go through this whole knowledge-based cycle. And there was a moment not too long back where I was doing this, forced to go through a knowledge base interaction before I could actually get the help that I needed. And if you looked, it would actually rate at the bottom, it would tell you how helpful the knowledge base article is. Because there's a major CRM that's out there that by default gives you the ability to vote on the helpfulness of a knowledge base article and actually gives you a public view of the helpfulness of that article. 
And it's uh-huh. abysmal when you look at that so often. It's yeah. like two out of 4,000 people found this article helpful. And yet everybody's right. being channeled to it before you can get yep. to the next stage of service. It's like, what, what have we done here? This is crazy. This is not helping people. In fact, what it's doing is pissing them off. And then by the time they get to the person that can actually help them, they are fired up and they're, they're territorial. They're, they're puffed up. They're defensive. And, and that agent's going to have a heck of a time now having to de-escalate that to get them back on the journey path. Especially because the agent is being told to suggest the same thing that the chatbot said to do. Yeah, I know. It's it, and it, it's funny. I, I literally, it's funny you mentioned that. I had almost this exact same experience not two days ago. Uh, I was having a problem with a piece of tech, went to their support, got chatbot fed the KB articles, finally said, nope, we're going to pass you over to a live agent. The live agent, the first thing the live agent did was send me the exact same KB cool. articles. And and it was like, oh, now it turns out I will, I, I'm publicly admitting <laughs> here that it turns out that my problem was, is that my network cable was unplugged. Oh, <laughs> but beca- yes, but because, but because I am such a techie guy and I understand this, this couldn't have possibly been my fault, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But it's funny how in that particular example, I appreciated the patience of yeah. the live yeah. agent because it was it was me that was that was a la- opening the sure. door to def- breaking their brand and not them. So we can we can we can talk about this uh, all day long, right? And so I, I what I want to ask you question is: Do you have an example of customer that you've worked with that did a particularly good job? Mm. And then also on the flip side. Maybe a company that didn't do so hot that learned from their mistakes. Yeah, I, I do. I do have that. I can. I can offer that. So a, a great example of this that I've had recently was Ring.com. You mm-hmm. want to talk about brand guardians and just a seamless extension of their experience from digital into the human experience. I was blown away recently when when I received my equipment which I was responsible for setting up myself, which if you think back in the day, people didn't install their own home security stuff. It's a complicated deal. The the digital experience that guided me through that was remarkable. And I was off and running within an hour with with this relatively complicated technology. Well, then I, I did get stuck at some point with which of these cameras is recording to the cloud because I, I couldn't see the footage on one of the cameras. So I, I did need to call the contact center to understand the plan that I was on and how it was being captured. I, I was greeted as a neighbor because in the digital experience, they're talking about neighbors protecting neighbors and creating mm-hmm. this human safety net. It's not just digital. We're talking about people being able to protect one another in a neighborly way. And, the, and their contact center, the brand ambassador in that contact center knew exactly how to speak in that tone of voice. And, and make me feel protected, make me feel confident in the service that I was using and help me, it helped me immediately with, with the question that I needed to get answered. It was just remarkable. So proactive too, even thinking through next issue avoidance, you know, what, what's going to happen next in, in Nate Brown's journey here and was able to help give me some helpful guidance there too. So I, it's just awesome when, when a brand marries these things. And the beautiful thing is, you know, we've talked about creating brand guardians. The beautiful thing is now Nate Brown is a brand guardian uh, of ring.com right. as a customer. 
and you're talking to someone and we we, we do not need to get into the oh uh, a happy customer tells two people oh, but uh, <laughs> just said you know we've 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 covered that extensively there's plenty of information out there when it comes to the concept of a brand guardian though um every interaction matters every single one down to the 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 person navigating the website uh, and looking for self-service yeah. options the person calling into the contact center the person chatting the person sending an email um i, I as positive as i get about some of these things i also have been part of some of the worst experiences of my life and 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 how that that turns me away and i'm i'm curious have you worked with a customer who maybe didn't quite get it. I, I haven't worked with one recently. I, I've I've gotten phenomenal clients, and, and we're we're going from good to great, <laughs> which is so fun. Uh, but I, I do have a, a very very recent example of of a, a major national brand who seems to be missing the mark a bit in this area of, of brand guardianship, uh, and it's um it's a major grocery store, um, and so I had a really bad experience in there with my daughter. It, it was kind of mm-hmm. like it was, it was pretty bad and, you know, wanted to, to kind of explain some of these things to the customer service desk and walking out and, and maybe even talk to a manager at that time so that, that somebody could know that I felt like one of their employees was in a really bad spot. And, um, but the, there just wasn't really an opportunity to do that in the store. So I came back yeah. and found the feedback portal on their major national website and found their feedback portal to be broken. Oh, it would it would force you to do this store locator process, and then it would wipe out the entire form. And that was like one of the last fields. So I, I tried to do this two different ways and got wiped out two different times. It was like, what the heck? Like at this point, you're getting right. a little angry. Like I'm doing this for right. you. I'm doing this out of kindness for this employee that I'm a little concerned about, and now I'm being restricted from being able to do the right thing. This feels very wrong to me. So I did find a phone number and I did call and I got a very capable, after some period of time, I got a very capable contact center agent who said the right things in terms Mm -hmm. of, I'm going to take this information and I will extend this to a store manager who will be reaching out to you. So that was an okay interaction. Did set an expectation with me that that would happen within 48 hours. About 120 hours later, I did get a call from the store manager and, and her, her attitude made it very clear why a lot of this was going on. You would not believe how defensive she was just right out of the gate. It didn't even really know what I was going to say. Didn't know any, the darn thing about me yet, but just, you mm-hmm. could tell she just hated having to make this phone call. <laughs> it's, it's funny how, you know, we talk a lot about, the, you know, in this case, you have a a customer who has gone significantly out of their own way to try yeah. to give you that that feedback, and I'm a, I'm a lot of the same way. Uh, there's a local, semi local fast food restaurant here that, in recent times, has failed to get my order right like ten times in a row, and I'm like, I don't even know. The, all I did was complain about it on Twitter, right? (laughs) It was like that, that's as far as I was willing to go in this particular example. But that is in the business, what we call 
uh, well, I guess in this case, you could call it unsolicited feedback because you, they did not ask for your information. Um, but what I'm more interested in is the feedback that we don't get. How, how can an organization tap into that feedback that where somebody's not willing to do it? What's, what, what are some ways that we could potentially solve that, that particular problem? Yeah. So one more quick element to that story, and, and I'll absolutely answer that. So uh, I, I was able to, in this case, disarm her and be like, hey, I just want you to know, I've been shopping in that store for years and we've had a, a great experience almost every single time. Th- this was an unusually poor experience. And I, and I just feel compelled to tell you about it uh, in, in regards to this one employee in particular who I'm a little concerned about. And so, of course, you know, she came down from that defensive attitude. It was like, oh, well, okay. Well, well so, 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 then, so then the question, okay, so tell me what actually happened. <laughs> and now she's actually listening for the first time. <laughs> she was expecting Nate Karen Brown and got just regular old Nate Brown. Exactly. Right? My middle so, name is Daniel. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but the funny thing happened. So here's what happened at the end of the call, though. She goes, Hey, next time you have feedback like this, don't go to the website. Just contact me. And at first, I was like, Oh, that's cool. That's kind of nice. You know, I have this direct connection. Not cool. Not yeah. cool. Because that, that is the very opposite of brand guardianship. Yes. She's saying, I want you to bypass the brand process. I don't want you to go through the proper channel because then I have yeah. to deal with it in the way that they dictate to me. Yeah, because I don't <laughs> want my supervisor to know. Exactly. That, that's what she was telling you. She's like, I would rather you come straight to me because I'm going to get in trouble if you go the other way. And, you know, that's it's a whole new avenue of this is when you when you get the feedback that negatively impacts the customer experience are you handling it appropriately yeah. are are you are you punishing people or are you taking that you know what we have got to do better yeah we as an organization not you not your store not your team not your your calls yeah. but we as an organization have to do better and so i think that's you know it really does reinforce the point about this you know cx and brain guardianship it, these things are happening every day. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, if we're talking contact center, you know, if, if a contact center takes 2000 calls in a day, how many of those 2000 calls are actually being reviewed or listened to? I mean, the other, uh, I think when we were together at QATC as part of uh, part of my session, yeah. I had everybody literally get out their phones and do some calculations and not one person in the room got to 1%. Wow. Everybody was under one percent yeah. if they did the the how many of those those get reviewed, and the 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 ninety nine point four percent of co- of interactions that are happening outside, that's that that's that unsolicited feedback that you can really tap into. And in a context center world, we have amazing tools that can help really get their arms around that, and that's what we really want to focus on as creating these brand guardians mm-hmm. is understanding how those different pieces. Uh, go through. So um, I, I love that story. I love the, the 
the concept and the passion that you bring to this. Uh, it's, it's really fantastic. And I feel like we could go for months talking about this kind of stuff and maybe we should, right? Maybe we, we should do the, 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 the monthly, the monthly Nate and Dave podcast. Right? I think everybody's but, unsubscribing uh, right now, Dave. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. It's like, ah, oh, punching out, punching out. Uh, but, uh, so my last question for you, um, as, as a lot of you, may or may not know Nate is a fairly accomplished mandolin player mm -hmm. and uh, I wanted to ask you can you play anything besides losing my religion or going to California uh, <laughs> let me grab oh so he's grabbing his mandolin <laughs> we're gonna yeah. we're, we're gonna hear yeah I don't even know if it's in tune right now and I don't have my strap on that's, blah, blah, it's, blah. that's okay Excuses over. I surprised Nate with this I'll strip it. I can't get the, the polyester to grab it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I can't do it right now, Dave. I'm sorry. That's all right. No, no. That's it. No. How, how, did, how did you get into the mandolin? Oh, you know, it's, it's a funny story. So I was uh, leading worship at a church and playing guitar. I wasn't very good. And, uh, and the church, unbeknownst to me, uh, hired an actual worship leader uh, who came in and he was like, you're, you're playing guitar. He's like, I, I play guitar. So you can't do that too. And then he goes, why don't you go buy a mandolin? And like, I was, I was kind of like, fine. And like, I went, why, I went why don't you go buy a mandolin? <laughs> why don't you buy a mandolin? And so I drove over to the outlet mall in Northeast Georgia and, and bought a $200 Ibanez mandolin and fell in love with it. And it, it was absolutely awesome. So, you know, thanks, man. <laughs> that's that's great that's great all right well nate we really do appreciate you joining us here on the working smarter podcast it's been an absolute pleasure to have you um hopefully we've given some really good insight and tips into you know cx is such a broad topic and we could you know there's so many different ways it could go but what do we want it what we try to do is give people the ability to really hone in and find things so really do appreciate you uh joining us uh thanks so much for coming on my pleasure dave thanks for everything you're doing and thanks everybody out there listening have a great day yeah and from the Calabrio team here we appreciate it uh, Nate thank you for joining us if there's ever any more questions that we can hand, handle for you uh, we're available at Calabrio.com uh, you can follow uh, follow us on Twitter you can uh, join us on LinkedIn there's so many different ways to connect as well as with Nate uh, make sure you uh, find his profile on LinkedIn and give him a quick follow it's always some great information coming from him so we do appreciate the time to, to those of you who are out there thanks for so much for spending some time with us and we'll talk to you on the next episode of Working Smarter from Calabria. Thanks, everybody.